Good afternoon, everyone. So, I would like to know that uh, is there anyone can understand Mandarin? <laughs> One, two, three, four. Okay, that's okay. Uh, so, we mostly speak in English. Okay. Uh, first of all, I would like to uh, thanks uh, Professor T. Taking Tom uh, coming for this section, and then uh, I would like to introduce him first. Okay, uh, he is uh, associate professor uh, Dr. T. is from now is uh, teaching in Taiwan. Okay, in Kaohsiung. Okay, in Zhongshan Dashui. Okay, Department of English Literature. Uh, okay, next one. This is. His very young picture, okay? So I searched in uh, Malone's book, okay? It's very interesting. Maybe this, this picture is in KL, is it? Yeah, at that time. Uh, so, uh, Dr. T at that time is uh, doing, is as an editor in Xue Pao, we call it. Uh, Monthly student, student monthly, and then in Chao Fong is a very famous uh, literary magazine. Okay, until now, okay, no, more than sixty years. Uh, and uh, is nineteen sixty three start to uh, wrote a poem. Okay, and then after they go to Taiwan to study uh, for English language, and then. Uh, come back uh, 1986 and then go back to study his uh, master degree again. Okay, next one. Okay, this also uh, his very young picture. Okay, he's very handsome. Okay, uh, so at that time in Malaysia, uh, he published one look like flyer. Okay, okay, uh, next. These poems for the time being, okay, it's very, uh, very old, old flyers, and then this is uh, I can found uh, about him, okay, in Malaysia Chinese Literature Center, and then another one is 1979, okay, this is uh, some poetry inside it, in Mandarin, okay, next one, okay, next one, okay, this is the first. Uh, quite some short story of him, The Fantasy of White Bird, 1982. And then next one. Okay, this is uh, his dissertation of Doctor of Philosophy, 1997. Okay. Uh, regarding to the literary interference and the emergence of literary poly system. Okay, next one. Uh, this study in Southeast Asian Chinese essay on Chinese Malaysian literature. This is 2003. So you see from there, 1979 and 90, early of 1980, okay, until here, 2003, okay, quite long times. Okay, do you do any creative writing uh, or does you, you, you just uh, write something and then? Uh, Keep in the drawers, don't publish it. Do you want to tell us anything about this in this period? 
were from uh, from the days when I was very young, right? The picture, the photograph with very long hair till 2003. Okay, so actually, um, yeah, I, I do write um, creative writing from time to time, and of course, I publish it Taiwan or in Malaysia. Yeah. So you want me to tell the story? The whole story, right? Um, so I started writing since uh, about 16 years old as a poet. You know, every young people is a poet or wants to become a poet, right? So you know, that's quite usual. So, um, and then, um, you know, at that time, um, at the age, one might also write an essay. You know, in, in, in in modern Chinese literature, there's a very specific uh, genre called something like personal essay or lyrical essay. Most of the time, not too long, right? And then uh, we publish this kind of essay on newspaper supplement. So it becomes a very unique phenomenon for Mahua literature. You can see a lot of uh, short essays, lyrical, and so on. And and then I, I noticed that um, the Mahua literature or, or Chinese Malaysian literature, some, now I use the term Sinophone, uh, Malaysian literature, we, we need a lot of um, stories. We have a lot of people who write personal essays, we have a lot of poets, but we don't have so many people who write good stories, and not to mention uh, literary criticism. So uh, later on, I turned to write uh, short stories and literary criticism. That's why you can see, if you, if you read um, the, the journal that Tong, Tong Yuan mentioned just now, the Chaofeng Manli or the Majara Chaofeng, Abulanan Chaofeng, or the, the Majara Penuntut, there's a student uh, Manli. So th there are a lot of uh, this kind of uh, writings, uh, lyrical essays and... and and poems, but you don't find so many literary criticism. So I think uh, since nobody wants to write uh, the kind of things, because uh, maybe I'm, I don't know why, but uh, so I, I, will, I will take the initiative to write uh, literary criticism. So, um, so later on, I, I, I think I, I'm one of the few literary critics at that time, 1970s and 1980s in, in the Mahua literature. So um, of course, uh, I think Tong Wan also asked me whether I was influenced by anyone, inspired by anyone, right, about that. You know, at that time, 1960s, 70s, we can uh, read a lot of Taiwanese literature, a Taiwanese book in, in Malaysia, bookstore, right? So I was mostly influenced by these modernist Taiwanese uh, poets and also uh, short story writers like Wang Wenxing, Qi Shen, and Chen Yinzhen. If you look at my work, maybe you can find some some styles of gears in my work. Okay, that's what the first question. Uh, so, um, when did you choose the path from the creative writing to the academic writing? Okay, mm -hmm. uh, actually, these two things is influencing each other. Okay. However, academic teaching and writing need a lot of time, we know that. And apparently, it reduced your volumes of creative writing, especially short story and poems. Uh, so, if you have the opportunity to choose again, 
when you do more creative writing, if compared to academic words, why? Hmm. Um, writing, of course, is very difficult. If you seriously consider writing, it's always a difficult word, no matter it is creative or academic, right? Uh, both need time and effort and energy, not to mention inspiration. Well, the difference maybe if you write academic papers, you don't really need inspiration. <laughs> but uh, for me, I think the, there's no, the border in between is actually is quite blurred. So if you read my, my academic writing, you can find some sense of uh, lyricism. So I don't want my, my academic paper to be something like very formalistic. You have a motivation, literature review, and then the steps, and then the result, the finding. So I, I don't think this kind of, uh, yeah, they are, of course they are they academic papers, but they are not so interesting to read. So when I uh, write these kind of papers, I try to make them more readable uh, from my uh, point of view. So, uh, but you know, as someone who teach in the university, you have to publish, uh, publish or perish, right? So you, when you spend more time and effort to write academic papers, of course, you don't have so much time to write uh, creative writing. But I, as I mentioned just now, that actually I didn't really cease to write uh, in the past 40 years. But uh, no, you have to, to, to choose when to write. For example, uh, when you teach, and not to mention I still have to teach, right? So sometimes uh, you, you can only write uh, poetry or short story, a very short story. If you want to write novel, maybe you, that's, you have to plan uh, for a few years to write one novel. That's, uh, I couldn't, that's why I can, so far I haven't produced any novel. But uh, I, yeah, I still write poetry and, and short story. I try to, to squeeze some time in the weekends, in, in especially winter vacation or summer vacation. Yeah, we continue to see uh, to look through his publication. Okay, this one is rewriting Mahua literary history. Uh, uh, he's the editor. Okay, and then another one. Okay, this is the collection of the contemporary Chinese Malaysian stories. Okay, short stories, 1997 to 2003. Okay, uh, and then this one is uh, rewriting Taiwanese literary history. Also, uh, editor, one of the editor with Enkin Chiu. Okay, a collection of paper uh, on Taiwan literature. Okay, next one. Okay, this is Return to Malaya. Okay, so uh, stories by Chinese Malaysian writers. So we can see from here, uh, Dr. T always always concerned about Malaysia or Singapore literature, especially Malaysia, okay? So we continue it, and then regarding Malaysian Chinese literature, okay? This is uh, from uh, his university publication, okay? And then, okay, this one is Diaspora and Homeland Imagination, okay? Cultural Studies. Next one, on Sinophone Malaysian literature. Okay, another one. This is also the 
uh, contemporary Malaysian Chinese short story collection. Okay. Uh, this is those year we stay in Taiwan. It's the, a collection of prose. Okay, invited a lot of authors from Malaysia and Taiwan. Okay, they write some story uh, about uh, where they are. Okay, uh, this is uh, in the shade of rubber trees, literary memory of life in rubber plantation. Is very Malaysia. Okay, and then this is a uh, miscellaneous. Essay in Sinophone Malaysian Retreaters. Uh, most of this uh, essay inside the books is the preface uh, of uh, many publications regarding the Malaysian Chinese literature. Uh, another one, uh, just now we, we talk about this one, Perjalanan Malam, Kumpulan Cerpen Pilihan Taiwan, Malaysia. Okay, another one. Sinophone uh, and writing Southeast Asia. Okay, this is also an essay. Next one. Okay, uh, diaspora localist and Sinophone Malaysian literature. Next one. Okay, uh, Malaysian Chinese literary criticism. Okay, uh, Tikin Tong. Okay, next one. Okay, this one is publication in this year. Is it reason in translation? I don't know. Okay. In English? Yes. It's called Gecko. <laughs> okay. Gecko. Okay. Gecko. Uh, collection of story of him. So I would like to ask a question about this one. Okay. Actually, uh, inside this collection, uh, the book collects a lot of. Uh, Short story from the previous one, that uh, the fantasy of a white bird. Inside it, okay, inside it, uh, that book is published in 1970, 1982, 1982. Okay, so at that time, uh, Dr. T joined the Renjian Poetry Society, and then in that society, they have uh, Zhang Jingyun, Sa Qin, Ho Kai Liang. That's very important Malaysian Chinese authors until now. Okay. Uh, do you talk about something when you have the you have this kind of meeting that uh, maybe some issue like uh, 13 May 1969? Because in this book uh, you, uh, you you write something about uh, maybe in the memory of this incidents. Yeah, it's very important incidents. And then at that time, maybe it's quite, uh, we cannot talk about it. Maybe, I don't know. Uh, how about the situation at that time? And then uh, you symbolize the literary words like flu, vampire, Dracula to replace this incident. Do you, talk, do you want to talk anything about this? Uh, well, you, actually, you, you mentioned too many things. <laughs> But uh, first of all, I would like to, to correct one thing that you mentioned. I'm not a member of the Renjian uh, Poetry Gusses or the, the, what do you call it, Homo Manchura. I think the, the, the society has a, a Latin title, right? Homo, uh, Poetical Society of Homo Manchura. Well, I'm not a, a member, I was not a member of that society, but I, I initiated that uh, society. Because we have a group of friends who went to Cameron Highland, and then we talk about literature and so on. 
And then a uh, few friends said, why not we, we, we started something like a, a political community or society. And then they, 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 they formed uh, that so, uh, society. But uh, I didn't join because I was an editor of the union press at the time. Because of the conflict of interest, I cannot join. I better not join, I, I, I told myself. So uh, they, they made, uh, they are actually the, the political society was uh, consists of a lot of important Mahua poets like uh, Yong King Hun and Luo Haiyuan or Piao Beiling, Sa Qing. Well, they, I think they, they could be considered uh, the best poets in Mahua we have uh, of that generation. So they met mostly weekends at uh, Mr. Dio's house. And at the time, most of, most of the people worked in Nanyang Shambao, right? So their office is uh, near Bansa. So they, they met there, they talk about, uh, they, they don't really talk about seriously about literature. They just, uh, just meet and chat when they were young, right? Talk about things like that. And the other question that you mentioned is about my collection of stories, which is, well, I, I, um, half of the stories, uh, yeah, you are right, they were republished from my previous collection. But uh, half of them were, you know, I wrote uh, after I, I went to Taiwan until uh, a few years ago. So, um, so you can see in that collection, I try to work with different genre of short, sub-genre of fiction. And then the subject matter, uh, some of them, yeah, about the many thing incidents or other political issue, like uh, the Communist Party in Malaysia or Malaya, and also about election, about, uh, yeah, the, the the private detective would disappear, yeah, this kind of uh, question. And in my time, I, uh, when the May 13 incident happened in, in KL, I was in Guantan, Bahan. So um, I, um, we did not directly um, affected by the incident. But you know that the, the tragedy is a spectre, like the like uh, Pontiana hunting the Malaysian for 50 years, right? So I, but at that time I couldn't write. I, I couldn't, no, actually not me, but uh, writers couldn't directly write about the May 13 incident because of, we have the, still have the, the Interior Security Act, even today, right? So you, if you don't write directly, no, we have a very good, uh, technique or devices, especially the modernists. You can use a lot of symbols, you can use a lot of images to replace. Uh, and also, if you write too directly about the whatever uh, incident or event in the society, this is not good literature. Why not we just read newspaper or journalism, right? So literature is something that you have to, you know, add something else to it. Right? not to, uh, besides try to avoid uh, censorship. So I think I, I'm one of the few writers who, who write about uh, May 13 in the Mahua literature. But uh, it's very implicit 
So unless you read very carefully, otherwise you couldn't tell. This is about uh, May 13. But uh, the other stories about the political issues uh, were written in recent years. So it's fine. We, no, one of the, I think I, one of my stories, I call it the wiki fiction. You know, you can write a short story using the form of an entry in Wikipedia. Right? You just put Kotongwan, for example, a fake entry, or Sharad, something like that. And then you write a story about Sharad, the fake one, right? That's Wikipedia with references. But the references, of course, are make-up references. So I, I find it interesting and funny, right? So I, I wrote one about the detective who disappeared, or the, the Mongolian girl who disappeared. <laughs> if you can read Chinese, fortunately they don't read Chinese. Okay, uh, so your idol, Bohes, uh, or your good friend, Eun Kim Chiu, okay, are using a lot of metafiction skills, okay, when they're writing this type of uh, creative, uh, short stories. Uh, what do you think of this skill to you, especially in your short stories writing, in contemporary Malaysian Chinese short story writing? Yeah. Um, I think metafiction is a very good technique for a writer, especially a short story writer. Uh, if you want to, because it, it, it leads you to reflect on writing itself and the writer. So uh, when, you, when you write, when the writer uh, himself or herself, um, you know, interfere the progress of the narration, so something interesting might happen, right? So I, I, I found of using the, but I think Nkin Chiu uh, used more metafiction technique than I do. Yeah, so, I, uh, but you know, if you if you if you keep on writing fiction with uh, metafictional techniques, it become a cliche. So you have to know where to stop, right? Yeah. Okay. Uh, so in in the in your essay, Twin City first draft self notes, Shuang Chen Chu Gao Zi Zhu there are several points to note when reading this fiction, structure of narrative, person not maybe point of view, time processing, space processing is uh, ambiguities of the text is very important to us. In fact, reading any novels or short stories, as long as it's not just for entertainment, those are the points that we should be not you say that. So beside this kind of uh, we need to take notes of these points, and then one another one is the spirit of a story. So, uh, what what we what is there any other things that you you concern about uh, fiction writing? So, what do you mean by the spirit of the story? Uh, maybe you can tell a very good story. Okay. Yeah, okay. yeah. Yeah, of course I know when you when you when you tell a story that's a narration. And then, of course, you have to, to pay attention to, to those terms that you mentioned, or the time, place, space, temporality, and so on. But uh, the most important thing is to tell an interesting story, right? How to tell a story. Right? 
maybe that is something uh, you mentioned, the spirit of the story. So for a story writer, the most important thing is to, to, uh, to put emphasis on how to tell a story instead of the other formalistic techniques. For me, I think this is the most important thing. Okay. Make your story interesting. So in your books, Shiguang uh, Ru Zi Yao Ye, the miscellaneous essay in sign of formulation literature, you have written quite a lot of prefix for new books of Malaysian Chinese writers like uh, Tan Chen Xin, En Kim Jiu, Yu Chen Li, okay, Hong Quan, Xian uh, Wen Guang, okay, Tan Sui Hian, Huang uh, Yan Xiong, and then Li Tian Bang, and others. Okay, what do you think of Malaysian Chinese literature writings? Okay, what's the advantages of them, of us, and what we still need to improve? Hmm. Well, uh, this is a big question. <laughs> Well, of course, I, I'm, I'm, uh, it's not my position to tell you how to improve. <laughs> but uh, I'd like to talk more about the advantages. You know, uh, we, we all, the Mahua or Sinophone Malaysian writers uh, write in Chinese. But this is our advantage, right? Um, because, you know, not only Chinese in China or Chinese in Taiwan uh, can write or has the right to write in Chinese. So Malaysian writer also, uh, you know, obliged to write in Chinese, besides other languages. But the uh, Chinese um, you use in Malaysia, um, you know, I, I don't think they will be the same as the Chinese you use in China, or in Taiwan, or Hong Kong, because of the, the environment. So language changes. Uh, with different geographical area. So no matter, uh, even though you use Chinese, your Chinese is uh, Chinese of difference. So that's your advantage. So you don't have to, to, to uh, you know, something like tailor-made, uh, make yourself to write in so-called the pure Chinese according to the grammatical standard or criteria of the Chinese in Taiwan or China. So, um, and then you can tell that Chinese in Malaysia, of course, influenced by a lot of uh, dialects, Hokkien, Cantonese, Malay, English. So you have different kinds of vocabularies, you have different uh, the syntactical structure, and so on. So you, you don't have to be you know, afraid that, okay, I, if I want to publish my work in China or Taiwan, I will try to revise my Chinese into what uh, they think is standard. I think this is the question of uh, Li Yongping. Right? When he first wrote, uh, I mean, uh, just now Florence read the story, La Tzu Fu, right? Daya Woman. And then uh, he showed it to his professor. And the professor said, okay, this is, you know, if the story is good, but your language um, is not perfect. We don't speak Chinese that way. So he tried to make it more, more like uh, pure Chinese. As uh, you can see in his next book, The Jiling Story, Retribution. It's very much like a Chinese writer uh, could write if he or she wanted to write the Jiling Chun Xiu. 
except that we know that it's about a story about Kuching and not uh, a town in China or somewhere else, right? But the language uh, doesn't make much difference if you look at the language of Jilin Chunqiu. So, uh, so keep whatever uh, your language style, right? That's the thing is the, the, what I can tell. Uh, so your publication doing a lot of research of history of Malaysian Chinese literature, Sinophone, and how to place the Malaysian Chinese literature maybe in the world of Chinese literature. So until now, what's your conclusion and what's, what we'll still want to emphasize and going to do in the next stage? Mm. Well, uh, we don't... We don't conclude uh, literature <laughs> now, right? But I think, uh, you know, since I, I've done a lot of research and, and study on, on uh, Sinophone Malaysian literature, well, uh, sadly said that, um, well, uh, Sinophone Malaysian literature actually is a very minor literature, right? You have uh, literature in Chinese from China, from Taiwan, and so on. So um, the position of, of Mahua is very uh, peripheral if compared to uh, Chinese literature in China. But if you, if you consider uh, Mahua as part of Malaysia, then uh, it's not really that minor, right? So the position varies. It uh, depends on where you put uh, that literature. But, uh, but on the other hand, we can, we can see that if you look at the past uh, 50 years or 100 years, if you consider the 1920s as the beginning of Mahua literature, then uh, we, we, well, uh, unfortunately, I, I don't think uh, we really place much uh, emphasis on it. For example, if you look at the younger generations of uh, Mahua uh, writing, normally they would say, okay, I, I am influenced by uh, so-and-so, right? And they read words from China, from Taiwan, from world literature. But it's very rarely uh, you find someone say, okay, I was influenced by, by, by Chi Kim Tong or Kotong Wan. So they don't really think that uh, uh, Mahua literature is that uh, important. If you look at uh, their way of thinking, so the reason is that maybe they are right. We don't really produce that much Greek writing. It could be, right? But which is not. We have a lot of good writers. Like if, if you consider Li Yongping, uh, Zhang Guixing, Ng Kinchu, Mahua teacher. So we have a lot of good writers. So, but I don't know why our younger generation, yeah, they, don't, they always uh, read words from China, Taiwan, and other places. Yeah, so if you consider from this perspective, well, uh, this is not really a good science, right? Okay, so can we open to the floor? Okay. So do you have any question? Want to ask? Okay. Dr. T? Yeah, you can ask in Mandarin also. Hey there, uh, Dr. T. 
Uh, I'm Jerome. Uh, I would just like to ask you one question about Nanyang. Uh, what do we call Nanyang? And uh, is Mahua part of Nanyang literature? Is there more to just Nanyang? Is there more to Nanyang than just Mahua? Is there uh, maybe literature from the Philippines, from Indonesia, that's coming out also in, in Chinese language? Uh, are you also studying those, those literatures? And uh, what differences do you see between Mahua literature and maybe literature from those countries? Are the themes different? Are the, of course, the history is different. But, uh. Okay, uh, first of all, um, actually we don't, we don't really use the term Ma, uh, Nangyang today, right? Nangyang, of course, um, equivalent to Southeast Asia. But Nanyang in Chinese, of course, has a historical significance. It means, um, you know, we, we, we use the term since very, uh, especially in the, in the Qin Dynasty, right? We use the term, it means South Seas, include, um, well, actually it includes Southeast Asia, but uh, specifically it refers to Singapore and, and Malaysia. So it depends on the context. So it's quite a general term. But uh, today we still use Nangyang as a, as a, as a you know, kind of a symbol and not actually a geographical term, right? Like my book, I said Nangyang Lunshu in Chinese. But uh, when I translated the term title, well, I have to use Southeast Asia. <laughs> so it's a different concept. And of course, uh, Chinese writers in, in, in the Philippines, in Thailand, or in Indonesia um, also write their own literary work in Chinese. But uh, they are actually, they are not so, compared to Mahua, they are really the, the minor of the minor. And the reason is that in Malaysia, we have a very strong uh, inst educational institution from primary school to, to university level. And so this is the part that uh, the other countries, the Chinese community in the other countries uh, could not uh, compare to. And recent years, of course, in, in Indonesia, you can, you can tell that, that the, I mean, the people are learning Chinese more than in the past. In the past, it was banned, to, forbidden to learn Chinese. But recent years, in Indonesia is getting better. So there are uh, people writing, uh, more people writing in, in, in in Chinese. But as I said, they are still, uh, it could not be compared to, to the history of uh, Mahua literature. I just want to respond to your Nanyang literature. Because recently, uh, because in Singapore, there's a, a literature award. They call it uh, Nanyang Chinese Literature Award. This is organized. This is by, uh, done by the Nanyang Uni uh, Nanyang Technology University and Confucian Institute. So, what they think uh, they they classify Nanyang uh, literature is that they uh, consider all the people, the Chinese people, beside China, including Taiwan and and go and and Hong Kong and Macau. This type of people, this nationality, should, cannot apply for the award. The award is open to the world. 
That means you, if you are Chinese writer in US, in Europe, or in anywhere besides China, besides Taiwan, besides Hong Kong, you can apply for the award. So they, then in, in, in Southeast Asia, they have another, another explanation. That means this award is not belong to China. It's belong to the world. And then this award is a Chinese literature award. Oh, that's, a, that's a different thing. Uh, thank you, I'm Sharad. Um, I'm one of the directors of the Georgetown Festival and partly responsible for the Mahualit uh, focus uh, this year. Uh, and I was in Taiwan and very uh, uh, at a, a seminar that uh, Kim Tong put together about May 13th and the cultural expressions coming out of May 13th. And I, it was a real learning experience for me. Uh, but the, the questions that I have, uh, you know, for you, uh, Kim Tong, today uh, have to do with you say it's a minor literature within the, the larger Sinophone world, right? But what I understand uh, from people who study Mao literature is that it sort of punches above its weight. It, it's become or seen as significant because of the quality of the literature, right? Uh, it's thematic considerations, the characterizations, the, 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 the range of things that I would like you to help us understand. Why is Mahua literature special? Why is it why do scholars, uh, people like Carlos Rojas in the US, why are they translating it? Why do they think that it's, it's a contribution to world literature? Okay, um, first of all, because you know, we have so many Chinese communities in, in this world, right? So uh, Chinese community in, in Malaysia and Singapore, they are quite different from um, that of China. But of course, they are, as I mentioned, uh, answer uh, Jerome's question just now, there are Chinese communities in other places in Southeast Asia, but they didn't produce enough texts or repertoire for the scholars or critics to study. And, and uh, your question actually um, could be redirected to the question of the Sinophone. You know, in, in the past 10 years, um, you know, scholars in the United States have been talking about Sinophone studies. But uh, for me, that is the, the phenomenon that can underline the importance of uh, Mahua to Sinophone studies and world literature. Because if you, if, if you imagine if there's no Mahua literature, what's the point of talking about Sinophone? Right? There'll be no Sinophone theory because we just talk about Chinese literature is good enough. You see what I mean? This is something like an like understatement, right? So the, the, the existence, the importance of Mahua literature can be you know, uh, seen from the importance of Sinophone studies as a theory. And the, th the theory has been um, lasted for 10 years, about 10 years or 11 years. So. Uh, so the scholars are quite eager to find texts and prove that Sinophone theories work. So where, where could you find? Only in Malaysia, right? So the, one of the titles of the book I remember, uh, Sinophone Malaysian Literature or Mahua Literature Not Made in China by Arison Grove, right? So you see what I mean? 
Well, there are, uh, as I said, there are Chinese communities outside China, but they are not, um, they produce not enough significant body of pets as to, to, for the Sinophone theories to study. So that's why David Wan and Shuman Shi, right, they came to Malaysia in the past years. Okay, so Lawrence? Uh, I have two questions for Professor. One is about your second latest book. I understand there was one latest, and this is the second latest, right? <laughs> Gecko. And uh, I, I read the short, this is considered a short story <laughs> or uh, essay. Okay, um, your, your gecko is kind of a lurking thing, like happened from nowhere, and it's interacting with the novelist. So sometimes I'm like, uh, is the gecko you or the novelist was you? <laughs> and then you use the symbolism of uh, uh, the dove, you know, to to reveal more, you know, like of the memory, pouring out from a memory. However, it's very interesting that you ended the, the book like uh, saying, uh, in the end, like the novelist uh, sang in darkness and um, there were li uh, living two glimpses of, uh, you know, lights and it came from the, it's probably from the eyes of the gecko. So what kind of <laughs> symbolism are you playing there? And the second one was, uh, uh, like uh, I read a lot in your work and uh, in Ng Kim Chu's work uh, uh, about like uh, missing people and uh, relating to the communists and uh, the leftist uh, movement last time. Uh, yeah, uh, do you want to elaborate about all this missing uh, family member? Yeah, thanks. Okay. Um, yeah, that's quite simple. You know, first of all, I use the the image of gecko. Um, in a very witty way, because whenever I, I have a writer's block, I try to put in some an animal image so that you can keep on writing. It helps you to keep on writing. Of course, it, uh, the, if you read the story carefully, actually it's uh, my versions of uh, Joseph Conrad's Heart of Darkness. So you put the story of Heart of Darkness with the history of the Communist, uh, Malayan Communist Party then can tell some significance, right? So the other question is what? The second one, ah, the missing people. Yeah, you know, uh, we have a lot of missing people. Our history of Malaya, uh, even before the, the independence, the, you know, the Japanese occupation, a lot of missing people. So uh, missing people or the, the themes of missing is a very interesting part that we haven't explored enough. I think Nginchu did a lot about that. So, I, I, of course, I will keep on writing about this. Yeah, I'm, I'm glad that you pointed out. 